and welcome to the Westpac Market Outlook and Conversation podcast for the month of February. This is where we review our latest Market Outlook report uh, about a day ago uh, and discuss some of the key themes in that report. I'm Senior Economist Matthew Hassan standing in for Bill Evans uh, this time around for this month. Uh, today we'll also hear from Elliot Clark on uh, the US situation. Ryan Wells uh, is going to give us a wrap on the latest uh, business surveys locally in Australia. Uh, and Justin Smirk will join us uh, to give some views on the inflation picture locally and developments around the labour market and uh, all wages growth theme. Uh, but before uh, we get into that, let me just give a, a quick recap of the main developments over the Christmas New Year period and how we see this playing into the risks around our core views uh, for the economic outlook. Uh, so the main theme for markets is still very much the same. Um, it's all around pinpointing the end of the central bank tightening cycle and how quickly easing inflation will allow for interest rate cuts. Uh, the data flow over the last few months has provided a, a few mixed reads on this. Uh, inflation's clearly tracking lower in the US, but at an uncertain path, uh, especially around the services segments and with some surprising strengths still showing through in the labour market. Ali's going to speak to that in a moment. Um, uh, locally, it was an upside surprise in the Q4 CPI, particularly in in uh, terms of the underlying measures and the, you know, the complexion, which is much stronger in the services element, uh, that's really raised more concerns that inflation here is becoming more embedded in the system and there may be much more for the RBA to do. Uh, in terms of other indicators, they're only showing tentative signs of slowing outside the housing sector. Consumer spending looks to have finished in reasonable shape, uh, finished 2022 in reasonable shape. Uh, the RBA uh, made a very clear shift in rhetoric at its uh, February meeting uh, they raised uh, the cash rate by a further 25 basis points as expected to 3.35%, uh, but the tone was more strident in its uh, efforts to bring inflation back under control. Uh, and that was in the decision statement, and the statement of monetary policy followed that up, although the central forecast for inflation and growth were largely unchanged for this year and next. Uh, the picture around inflation looks a little bit more challenging. And underlying inflation now expected to remain uh, well above the RPA's target by the end of this year, um, and wages so underlying inflation about four percent this year and next, uh, and wages growth also above four percent this year and next. Actually, I think underlying inflation comes just below four percent uh, into next year. Um, uh, but clearly, that uh, is, is giving a more urgent risk around uh, sustained inflation starting to feed into inflation expectations, uh, and uh, may mean that uh, policy has more work to do, uh, particularly if we start to see a second wave of price rises. That said, we are seeing these clear disinflation pressures starting to emerge uh, in, in the US. As far as markets are concerned, they have taken that on board uh, with uh, market pricing compared to just prior to our last uh, podcast in December, uh, adding another 25 basis points to the tightening profile for the Fed and another 50 basis points to the tightening profile for the RBA, uh, which is quite a stark move. Uh, uh, the other key development, I'd say, is uh, in the, the latest week, uh, domestically, we've had yet another strong warning signal from consumers. The February Consumer Sentiment Survey unwound all of the mini rally that we'd seen through uh, November, December, albeit still at very weak levels for those two months. And now it's back at uh, or near historical lows um, around the lows that we got to during the global financial crisis. Uh, and especially when we break the responses down over the course of the survey week, uh, the readings after the RBA decision were extremely weak. The group that were surveyed post-RBA had index read of just below 75, which is 
uh, extraordinarily weak. Uh, the details showing uh, pressures are, are really becoming intense for households in terms of their family finances uh, and assessments of whether now is a good time to buy a major household item. We're amongst the worst we've ever seen in the history of the survey back to the 70s. Uh, in fact, uh, we've only seen four readings on that particular question, uh, weaker readings uh, uh, historically. Uh, two of those were during the in GFC and the run-up to the GFC. Uh, and uh, the fourth was at the darkest days of the uh, early 90s recession. Uh, so, uh, yeah, beg your pardon. No, the fourth was the third was actually during the, the pandemic, when the onset of the pandemic in, in 2020. Uh, so the signals are, are very stark. Warning: uh, those two uh, components have uh, proven links to spending activity, uh, and that signal is uh, suggesting that we're about to see an abrupt slowdown in consumer spending that hasn't quite played out just yet. Uh, when we look at our Westpac card tracker indicator, uh, it looks to have held up uh, pretty well through December and, and January. We have data up to the first week of February now uh, for nominal card activity. Uh, there are clear slowdowns playing out across retail segments, and that's uh, broadly consistent with that softer retail sales number we saw for the December month, or rather the, the fourth quarter. Uh, but uh, offsetting that has been a, a big surge in non-retail components. Now, some of that may be price-related. We'll get to that uh, when we discuss the inflation story with uh, Justin. But uh, at least for now, there doesn't look to be the sudden stop in spending uh, that you would expect given that uh, that uh, that uh, consumer extremely weak consumer sentiment picture. Uh, so how do we see this playing out? Well, uh, you know, a March rate hike is looking assured. Uh, the change in rhetoric in the governor's decision statement uh, the dropping of uh, policy on a preset path uh, and the strengthening of the language saying uh, that uh, the board expects that further increases in interest rates will be needed over the months ahead. Uh, that's pretty much set a March hike in place uh, and some follow-on move. We think that uh, a, a, an abrupt slowdown in, in spending, consumer spending will start to show through uh, in coming months uh, and the uh, global inflation story will give enough evidence for the RBA to pause in April. But They'll still be unsettled by a wages and inflation update uh, to give a final move in May. So we're still on uh, two rate hikes from here to a peak in uh, the cash rate at 3.85%. But uh, some of these things need to come in line and uh, line up pretty quick. Uh, and we need to have uh, strong evidence both of that uh, global inflation pulse dissipating uh, and that the consumer is uh, clearly responding to uh, the, the rapid series and in interest rate rises. Uh, so with that said, uh, let me now uh, turn to Elliot uh, and just ask, uh, well, the last month in particular, we've seen the US labour market remain strong according to the latest non-farm payrolls update uh, and inflation pressures are, are receding, but perhaps a little slowly. Uh, what do you think the implications are for the Fed and market pricing at the moment? Thanks, Matt. Yeah, so there has been an interesting couple of months. I mean, we kind of came through the, the new year period with uh, market participants across FX and equity markets uh, looking to put on risk, uh, believing that uh, we were, yeah, we had seen yeah, the peak in, in inflation and that we were on a clear downtrend and uh, effectively the, the Fed had done its work and we could start to think about when rate cuts were coming. Um, since then, however, as you mentioned, we've had a very, very strong uh, employment report uh, and also then uh, just overnight the, uh, the latest uh, CPI results as well for the US. And they... While the CPI report hasn't, wasn't really kind of definitive either way, I think in combination with the, the strength we've seen in the labour market, yeah, it continues to give uh, the market, uh, I guess, more pause of thought. 
um, and sort of uh, then sort of have kind of reverse their bets and they're looking basically for a, a couple more rate hikes from the Fed um, to end this cycle before you know, rate cuts uh, begin kind of the end of, of 23 and flow through in 2024. Um, in terms of kind of the, the detail of those two releases, I mean, the the payrolls gain north of 500,000 was, was staggering. It also came with positive back revisions to the last two months, so it wasn't just um, yeah, a one-off result. Uh, and what was also, I suppose, you know, most notable about it is you take kind of the average of the three months, you, you're talking about a 350,000 know, average pace per month, uh, which is about three and a half times what the Fed uh, believes they need to see to have a balanced labor market. So you're, you're a long way away from that. Uh, equally, this is all occurring at, at the time uh, that we have the unemployment rate at a historic low. Uh, and yeah, so that's really sort of showing you that despite you know, limited supply, you, you're basically getting that the demand to continue. What's however notable, I think, about uh, about this outcome and maybe puts it in a little bit of context, however, is well, actually there's two things. One of which is, is basically that uh, we're seeing now a very strong uptrend in terms of multiple job holders in the US. So uh, people are basically having to have, you know, not one, but sort of two or potentially three jobs uh, to get the income they, they need to actually uh, sort of, uh, you yeah, balance their, their spending and their income. And that sort of just tells you that, you know, there is a very constrained consumer um, that, that is yeah, apparent in the US at the moment, uh, which you know, speaks to softening, a further softening in, in, in spending going forward. Uh, the other kind of point to note is that we have actually already seen a, a turn down in, in wages growth. Um, and so you, you've got a situation there where, you know, despite that that ultra tight labor market, um, that the firms are actually pulling back on on terms of the, providing those increases, which means that, you know, incomes, less inflation are weaker, all else equal. So, yeah, it, it does really suggest that, you know, we're not in a, a wage price spiral by any means, and equally that there's probably more argument to say that you know that we will see uh, good evidence of, of further deceleration in, in terms of demand, uh, and therefore more disinflationary sort of pulse coming through uh, in the US, um, you know, over the over the next kind of year or so. Uh, you pair that with the CPR report which we got last night, which is for, for January. Uh, as I said, it was kind of a, a you know, neither sort of hawkish or dovish kind of outcome. But, you know, it is kind of worth noting that we have, you know, seen very clearly kind of the end of, I guess, goods inflation. So that was marginal um, in the month at 0.1%. Um, services is really where the, the uncertainty continues to lie. And so, you know, if we look at the, the detail there, there has been some evidence um, of that softening in service demand coming through in terms of inflation, uh, but it's really early days. And, and what's really driving inflation at the moment um, is kind of what we see the shelter component, both in terms of people's you know, uh, place where they reside uh, on an ongoing basis, and also then um, sort of what we call lodging away from home, which is you know, hotels and, and motels and the like. So you know, that that's still, that gives us still an element of kind of an ability to pay up, and uh, both for, for you know, rents and also for when you, you're away on holidays. And you know, that needs to subside um, going forward to actually get the kind of inflation outcomes that we're, we're looking for going going forward. Um, we still believe that they can actually get down to sort of a, a round or 2% figure by the end of the year. Um, so, you know, I guess where all that kind of leaves us kind of in our expectations is that uh, we are you know, expecting one more 25 base point hike from the Fed um, to finish the cycle in March. But we do uh, recognise that, you know, you could easily see another one on risk management grounds. And the market is actually pricing a little bit more than that um, with, with about another half a move um, sort of priced in um, sort of up to about July. So that just kind of gives you a view as to where their risks are. But 
Yeah. Whether it's, you know, one more 25 or two more 25s, um, you know, it, it's not really here nor there given we're talking about a level of rates that's about 5%. Um, what really matters then is the trajectory thereafter. And it's notable that, you know, those who expect further moves near term expect more cuts later on. Um, and so really that's where the market's kind of focus is going to go. And so yeah, from where we're thinking about, you know, the, the, the 10-year yield being at 375 uh, currently after the CPI uh, overnight, um, yeah, we are expecting that to then yeah, come down and, and progressively move lower over the course of this year and, and into um, into um, uh, 2024 um, and that will you know, basically be what kind of determines financial conditions and, and allows the economy to have a period of stagnation rather than outright recession um, and so yeah that, that's a definitely an important kind of point to note that you know, while we will see the Fed continue to raise rates near term it's probably not going to see um, that those interest rates on a term basis move materially higher uh, and we are likely to then see them actually reverse course and provide that support to the economy going forward one quick comment as well on the, the US dollar um, uh, we definitely have seen a very significant move off peak from last year. Uh, so we're down about 9% currently. Uh, we do think we'll see a period of stability around the current level, um, both in terms of the US dollar um, and also for you know, Aussie US cross. Uh, but once we get to kind of the back end of this year and then running through next year, we'll see a further depreciation in the US dollar and an appreciation in the Australian dollar. So you know that that theme uh, in terms of the, the abatement of, of inflation and rate risks uh, will really carry through and there'll be a much more of a focus on, on the, on the growth kind of uh, differentials we see in the world um, as we go in the back end of this year and into 2024. Thanks, uh, Ali. Yeah, that's a pretty comprehensive update. I, I think um, I, I would just add, yeah, it feels like, um, you know, the inflation situation has, has really complicated this sort of policy situation without a doubt. Um, and the turning point may be a little bit slower to come through. I think the other thing I would just point out is that you know, central banks are always going to be vigilant with their rhetoric. Uh, given the, just how high the starting point is for inflation and the risks of a sustained shift in inflation expectations. So I think that's just making things a little bit harder to read uh, more generally. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, you know, we're not quite at the, at the, at the peak yet and uh, we look forward to some continued improvement in those US inflation reads, particularly given how they're likely to sort of factor in thinking locally as well, how US inflation cycles led the rest. We turn now to uh, to the Australian domestic scene. Um, as I mentioned, consumer sentiment um, fell right back to those recessionary levels in February. Uh, it's been pretty poor now for uh, the best part of eight months. Uh, but uh, the the latest uh, now business survey is giving us a slightly different picture. Um, Ryan Wells, uh, can you give us an, an update on how the broader economy looks to be performing according to, according to the January? Uh, business surveys uh, and how businesses are feeling uh, in the new year. What are the key results and, and some of the interesting points out of the survey? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, so since the last time we've talked, um, we have had a couple updates from the NAB business survey. Um, and today I want to touch on uh, three key developments uh, that was evident in the January survey, which was released just yesterday. And that's around the consolidation in business confidence um, what's happening with activity and the intensity of cost pressures. So firstly, starting on confidence, um, the January survey showed that the mood for Australian businesses uh, has improved um, decently over the holiday period. And just by way of context, the broader trend leading into January was one of consistent weakening. And business confidence was taking large steps down from September through to November, 
where confidence reached a level that we would describe as being in outright pessimistic territory. Um, however, through December and January, uh, business confidence has bounced back up to plus six, which is on par with the historical average. And it's around the level we saw back in September when the downtrend was just beginning. So taking the December and January results together, uh, they're suggesting that the business mood has had a bit of a rally over the summer period. And this is and placing this just in the backdrop um, where we're having easing concerns around the momentum in global inflation over recent months. Uh, but also domestically, we've had resilience in consumer spending um, in what is really just the first disruption-free summer break since the onset of COVID-19. So there is good reason uh, for businesses to have grown more optimistic um, over the last couple of months. Um, and this is leading into the second point, which is around what's happening with activity. So uh, business conditions, as reported in the NAB survey, um, has been stepping down gradually uh, leading into this year-end period. Um, and this was before a sharp uh, eight-point drop was reported in December. Um, but in January, this was partially recovered with a five-point rebound. So just looking at the January headline result, um, the idea that activity is more so stalling right now is not immediate clear, um, but the more granular detail shows that the mining, manufacturing and construction segments have really been at the epicenter of some of the big swings in business conditions um, showing up as a sharp downturn in December and a solid recovery in January. So we believe some caution should be applied um, when looking at the headline results as these large swings are likely reflecting some vol volatility over the holiday period as many uh, typical business operations uh, would have been on hold. But looking at business conditions within consumer segments uh, such as uh, retail and recreation and personal, uh, it looks as though there's been a, a transition from what were steady declines to more of um, a stalling in January. So when looking at broader indicators for consumer spending, they are suggesting that on balance, uh, demand from Australian consumers has remained uh, relatively firm heading into the new year period, um, as you mentioned, with non-retail spending more than making up for some of the weakness in retail spending that's emerging. Uh, this is a welcome development for businesses. Um, the broader context uh, suggests that a sustained, in um, a sustained improvement in business conditions, though, is not really going to be in the scope for this year. So as the full impact of high inflation and rising interest rates uh, continues to crystallise, uh, particularly in relation to the Australian consumer, uh, economic activity uh, will slow from what was a robust expansion over last year to a more anemic pace of growth over 2023. And this same logic can be applied uh, to business confidence as well. So as these headwinds begin to impact, our confidence will likely return to that subdued or pessimistic territory, albeit not as um, outright pessimistic as what we're observing in the consumer sentiment survey. So uh, this is leading to my final point here around input costs, which are really one of the key factors influencing confidence. Um, so generally, it still is the case that input, input costs remain at an elevated level for many businesses. Uh, this is putting an intense squeeze on their margins. Uh, however, it has been promising uh, to see that the evolution of labour costs and overall upstream price pressures over recent months uh, has been quite constructive to the outlook. Uh, the January read has shown a slight uptick in both of these measures of costs, but looking at the quarter quarterly average pace uh, gives an indication that 
pressures are easing. So purchase costs have eased from a pace of 4.6% in June down to 3.2% in January, uh, while labor costs have slowed from 3.8% in September uh, to 2.6% in January. So another welcome development for businesses. But overall, um, businesses are definitely facing elevated costs. And the continued moderation in these pressures um, should alleviate the intense squeeze on margins in time. And this is a critical dynamic um, that will bleed into what's happening in the broader inflation picture in Australia over the course of this year. So really just to sum up, uh, over the last couple of months, the mood among Australian businesses has rallied and conditions have been supportive to businesses. Um, but also positively, it, it looks as though the continued easing in input cost pressures will be another area of support for businesses in time. However, the broader narrative overshadows a lot of these developments because conditions and confidence uh, will remain under pressure this year as the full impact of high inflation and rising interest rates uh, continues to materialise and a sharp slowdown in economic activity uh, follows on from that. I hand it back to you, Matt. Great. Uh, thanks, Ryan. That, that's certainly an interesting picture. I mean, it does, it is, as you say, consistent with the idea that notwithstanding that very weak consumer sentiment picture, we haven't really seen uh, the spending side of things fall away. But yet we are still seeing at least some tentative confirmation that some of those uh, global inflationary pressures, uh, pulses are, are um, starting to, to dissipate. I think the fascinating thing there is the, uh, the easing in, in labour costs, um, uh, which seems to be coming through, I think, what I thought a lot earlier than we expected. Well, let's uh, turn now to uh, the inflation picture and, and have a chat with Justin Smirk. Justin, um, what do you see as the, the driving force behind uh, the inflation surge? Oh, thanks, Matt. Um, the, the inflation surge, it's sort of very similar lines to what's been sort of happening around globally. Um, because, of course, in the first instance, we do just get a lot of repricing, particularly here in Australia, from the negative prices we had. Um, so it's a big surge in prices through 20. Um, then, of course, we had the start of the energy price surge um, with higher uh, crude oil prices, leading on the back of the global recovery through 21, those lifting up auto fuel prices. And then as we're drifting from 21 and then 22, we started seeing the recovery in dwelling prices here in Australia. Um, some of it was to do with the unwinding of the rebates. So naturally rebates had lowered the prices and, and CPI and unwinding of them sort of prices jump. But also there was an underlying increase through building costs and just the strength of demand lifting up prices overall too. So we did see this big price momentum gathering there. Um, the thing, main thing happening is as we're moving into 22, we did see then see the consumer durable side really began to add a lot of strength into the inflationary story. And that is associated with you know, the global recovery and supply disruptions globally. And of course, then of, you know, in back of that too, we're having supply disruptions here domestically, leading to um, food price inflation too, which is partly global story, partly domestic. And then just as all those ones were starting to peak, it was the market services that were really coming back into the fore. And that market services story was really beginning to add to the global inflationary pulse um, and, and adding to the domestic side. And that's really both repricing the recovery and also rising wage costs here domestically. And so really what was helpful is the RBA then provided some research just looking at the breakdowns of when you're thinking about this, how, what was due to demand, what was due to supply. And their research, you know, we've got inflation that peaked close to 8% in the December quarter suggests that you know, almost half of that or almost four percentage points of that came through directly through supply disruptions. I thought a little bit, you know, a bit more than two percentage points of that came through from demand. 
And you can see here now that demand was starting to add to the inflation as well. And the rest of it was a little bit ambiguous and they couldn't really add up. But you can see here now that you know, the supply story has been adding a big chunk of that inflationary story. And then as we're moving into it now, that, that's been sort of replaced by that sort of strength in demand, which has been pushing further on prices as well. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're on the record as um, saying that we think the December uh, result marked the peak in the inflation mm -hmm. pulse locally. Um, how, how do you see the risks around that forecast? Well, it's helpful to think about why we think it's we think it's the peak, and that sort of starts trying to help us highlight where some of the risks lie. Um, of course, we talked about those sort of supply disruptions and how they what what they've been causing, adding to it. Um, and while all the business surveys are sort of and sort of the sort of indicates that there's just these and anecdotally too that there's still issues around supply chains and supply chain networks, and some of it's associated with it. You know, decades-long underinvestment in our networks, which is leading to, to disruptions, particularly around local supply chain networks, um, and it's including down to the level of thinking about um, the sort of truck drivers that are globally. We do know that shipping costs have collapsed from their um, COVID peaks. Um, we know that rates for, for um, hiring a ship, and like the Baltic Dry Index, are right back to levels that, would, that are more normal. So they're completely deflated from this COVID surge. And container freight rates, which are really being held up by this disruption and leading to containers being mishandled all around the world, are now also too back to levels that you'd expect to normal in a pre-COVID shock environment. So yes, while the disruptions are still around and still creating some tensions, the actual cost of shipping have come down significantly. So that's a one sort of first sign that you know that you're going to see this zip peak. So that sort of imported... Uh, consumer durables inflation is definitely coming off the peak. Um, the other one sort of to think about too is what's happening with energy prices. We know that energy prices globally have come down. We've seen crude oil prices pull back easily to such an extent that we've even hear talk of Russia now wanting to restrict production to try and lift prices again. We've seen gas prices fall globally as we've been seeing you know, Europe have a warmer winter and that's been reflected domestically. Government introduced here, the Australian government introduced um, some price controls, particularly around gas prices, to bring them down. And lo and behold, we've seen gas prices in Australia get round to $12 a gigajoule, more of a halving of prices that we saw more recently. And that's led straight into wholesale electricity prices, which we've seen fall back to more normal levels as well, particularly in, in Victoria and South Australia, where there's an ample supply of cheaper electricity, but even in New Wales and Victoria, where there's more sort of constraints around electricity supply, particularly around coal. And this has led to sort of taking some of the pressure out of the system and we know that electricity prices aren't going to be adding too into it. And then you add on thinking on other major domestic drivers being dwelling prices, which are no longer being boosted by the removal of the grants and the rebates. They're being pulled out of the system. Um, and also we know that dwelling to housing, new home, established home prices are collapsing across the country. That's leading to pressure on established home prices. So all those ones there are giving us the idea that we can we clearly have seen the peak in annual inflation here in Australia, and prices will decline from here. But then it starts thinking about, well, where the risks lie to our forecast for the end of the year, which we're talking about being around 4%. And, of course, there are some risks around, particularly around the market services side. And one clear one that stands out is rents. Um, we've been seeing increase in dwelling in, in the population growth, particularly coming out of the Labor Force Survey, highlighting that working-age population growth is now back to levels stronger than it were pre-COVID. So you've got this big surge in population demand coming through, which is definitely going to be adding further on rental pressures. And that's one area where risks lie. 
we also can talk about um, we've been seeing this repricing of um, market services, particularly around tourism and hospitality, as we've had the best summer we've had in a couple of years, adding to significant demand. We've been seeing repricing with a shortage of you know, infrastructure in place and to cope with this new demand. And also people being a little bit more lenient with price rises until they've been facing this really strong squeeze around affordability um, as prices are increasing faster than incomes are. All this sort of suggests that there's going to be, even though we can think about wages growing up to around 4% through the next 12 months, adding further pressure on that market goods and services side of things, that there's this peak pressure demanded around it. And because we're not expecting there to be a price wage spiral for wages to start peaking through um, the end of this year into early next, as we start seeing unemployment begin to rise with stronger population growth and weaker demand, that should all be giving sort of a, a nice cap and a degree of confidence that inflation should be coming down from its current peaks and that it should be normalising itself somewhere around about 4%. RBA is currently on 4 by 4.5% at the end of this year. And so clearly in that framework, you can see there are some upside risks to our forecasts at the end of the year. But hopefully we have seen that peak uh, just under 8% in December. And I'll just note that we get uh, the next monthly uh, CPI update on 1st of March. It'll also be the uh, the national accounts update, which will give the, the formal wash-up for consumer spending in the fourth quarter and all those wage and price measures. And, of course, before that, on February the 22nd, we'll have the Q4 wage price index. So a lot to digest in the next month uh, around some of those. We'll wrap things up from here. Um, so... I just thought I'd mention, uh, yeah, former RBA Governor Ian McFarlane used to say that the, the most important data release for monetary policy was the latest CPI read, and that the second most important was the CPI read for the quarter before that. Um, it still looks to be the case even more so at the moment, although I think as Justin sort of set out, you've got to take the, the complexion of that price story and the labour market backdrop in particular uh, right into consideration. As, as we've sort of set out, we, we think that central banks are near the peak in the tightening cycle and they will get some progressively better news around inflation and I think um, once we get you know, more confirmation of that disinflation coming through in the US as Elliot talked to um, that'll be a, a huge uh, support for, for sentiment and for a uh, source of comfort for uh, the RBA that um, we've got a prospective similar slowdown in inflation uh, coming through locally but as, as we said earlier you know, we need to see some more softening in uh, consumer spending uh, perhaps a change in and psychology around the, the business uh, survey results uh, to confirm uh, that uh, you know, the domestic inflation picture will also be back within its tolerance range. Well, that wraps up our February podcast. Uh, thank you for taking the time to tune in, uh, and we look forward to uh, giving another update uh, around about mid-March.